This is Joe Burns. And Beth West. Hey, thank you for listening to the Rock School Radio Podcast. We think you'll learn something. Now remember, if you want to hear the show with all the music in place, go to kslu.org and stream the show live Thursdays at 5 and Sundays at 4. It's a new show every week. Now enjoy this week's Rock School Radio Show. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Time for School, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Thank God you didn't hear any of the (laughs) off-microphone discussion we had. And Beth West. Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. Not not that it sounds like a dog. No, but Rufus. Rufus, yeah. (laughs) Class is in. It's the Rock School Radio Show right here on your radio, which you happen to be listening to right now, unless you're listening to us on podcast, and it's probably your iPad. Hiya, I'm Joe Burns, and hiya, who are Hi, you? Hi, Beth West. Hiya, everybody. How are ya? Oh, it's good. We're into the month of, uh, what, March now? Yeah, already. I remember when 213 started. It was such a lovely little year, and now it's <laughs> going away from us. Beth, I, I tell you, this came about, I, uh, I now use the library to death because I've gone through every book that I have. Right. And the library has a fantastic interlibrary loan system. That's correct. There's still money for it. And I just simply go to Amazon or some other little search engine, and I just pop in these search terms that, you know, something, music, rock music, what have you. And I put in contracts, music contracts. Okay, music contracts. Right. And up came this book by a guy named Hank Bordowitz. I believe I'm doing that correctly. And it came back, Dirty Little Secrets of the Record Business. Great book. Yeah? And I called him, emailed him actually, and I said, Hank, I know him personally now. <laughs> of course, Hank, he's your best friend. <laughs> sure, we, we hang out on the weekends. <laughs> Hank, do you mind if I use your book? I'm gonna, I'm really gonna take some stuff from it. So rather than just referencing it, I probably should get your approval. Permission. We're doing it for this right. entire show. Yeah. Right. Do you mind if I? And he said, Oh yeah, go ahead. You know, I'm available to call in and all of that. And then I said, We may use him a little later on in oh, the show cool. because that sounds great. he's written many other books, but specifically for today, "Dirty Little Secrets of the Record Business" Ooh. by Hank. Bordowitz. Sounds so, delicious. I have heard so many times from people who are in the music industry and about people who are in the music industry, they have signed this contract and they go on tour and they do all these things and they have million selling records and then they have no money, no money. whatsoever. Yeah, you've heard that a million times. How is this possible? I would like to know. Good. Well, I have a bunch of little stories here about some famous names and how it's done. I'm going to start with Van Halen, A, because they're Van Halen, and because I have the story of how it's done. Okay, all right. Right. According to Eddie Van Halen, they were signed to what's known as a Motown contract. Here's the concept of it. I'm going to to do it over two breaks, because I can play two songs, but it, it just takes too long to explain it in one shot. Okay. According to Van Halen, here's their Motown contract, which they got with Mo Austin in the back room of the Troubadour in L.A. when they signed up with Warner Brothers back in 1978. It was an 11-point deal. 11 so here's points. the thing. Okay. Every record has 100 points. Okay. 100%. But instead right. of calling them percents, they're called points. 
fine. They got an 11 point deal. However, it's not, and this is what makes it the Motown deal, it's not 11 points of 100%. It's 11 points or 11% of 90%. Why? Because it used to be that when records were sent out, mm-hmm. approximately 10% of them broke. Really? Really. They were broken, unplayable, weren't pressed correctly, were returned. So when the deal was set up, it was always set up on 90% rather than 100%. So initially when they broke, that 10% would go back into replacing the ones that had broke. You got it. So they wouldn't pay the people on 100%. They'd pay them on 90%. But that did not happen in 1978 or well it didn't happen completely because the old 78s and such would break but the newer records didn't as yeah they were kind of more flexible right but the the contract didn't change so who got the 10 percent well the company of course (laughs) that didn't go to the band three of their 11 percent goes to ted templeman who was their producer Mm -hmm. their producer for producing the album Believe it or not, Ted Templeman makes more money on the first two albums than any member of the band on the first two albums to this day. Wow. And Van Halen, their first album, is a diamond album. Right, and there are right. very few of those. That's right. So, keep that in mind. 90%, 11 points on it. And I'll tell you what the remainder of the deal was, and you'll hear very quickly why you can have unbelievable success and then make absolutely nothing. I really didn't know that you were going to be making me do math today. Yeah, well, you know, I've brought a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> and you have your phone right over yes, there. Yes, I do. I can it's use Van that. Halen from Van Halen Wants Ice Cream Man here on Rock School. I dedicate one to the ladies. Sometimes they're bad and need something to keep you cool. I know sometimes they're bad and need something to keep you cool. Better look out now, though. Dave's got some of you. No, I'm Talking contracts here on uh, Rock School today, yeah, and it how people know, it's very are interesting and exciting. It's just funny, but it, it's mathematics. That's the only downside of it. the The Van Halen Motown deal, like I said, eleven points. Now, like I said, the eleven points. Right, right. Three went to Ted Templeman. There's eight left over. Okay. Of those eight points left over, the band had to pay expenses. I'm start making notes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the band had to pay expenses, including agents and attorneys. Now, what people are going to say is, okay, 8% of an album, but the album has sold millions, millions and millions. And millions. Well, blatantly, you know, well, but they're not being paid retail. Right. You may spend $11 for the you know, for the album, but that's not what they're being paid on. Right. They're being paid on what it cost to actually produce the album. So they may only be being paid on seven dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the remaining points, eight, got split between the guys. One dollar fifteen cents. That was what got split to each kid, right? $1. Eddie Van Halen got one dollar fifteen cents. Michael Anthony got one dollar fifteen cents. Okay. okay, and they each got a fair like they they got a 
uh, equivalent equal, thing. Right. E- right, equal portion. But that's what the remaining three points broke out to. Now you say to yourself, great, $1.15 off of each album. Okay, it yeah. sells millions. They're going to be millionaires. Millions, yeah. Right. Okay, wait. <laughs> Each member of the band was paid a draw of $83.83 per week. Notice I said draw, draw. not salary. So that money had to be paid back. When they cashed their checks, a signature card had to be consulted when they went to the bank. Right. So every time they cashed the check, that signature card got a signature. So Warner Brothers knew they were cashing those checks. So that money was a draw against the money they got from the sale of the albums. They tore for a year. Yeah. Every expense from their tour was taken out of their royalties. Every the, the gas, the roadies, the lights, but, the everything. Well, then what about the money that they made selling tickets to the shows? They got some of that. Okay. But most of the expenses were all Came out covered. of the album. Everything. Okay. They tour for a year. They go platinum. And Warner Brothers, at the end of that year, tell them not only did they owe them another album, but they owed all the tour costs and everything was taken out. They owed Warner Brothers over a million dollars after selling a million albums. Whoa. Alex Van Halen said that he looked at, at Ted Templeman and says, no, wait a minute. We sell a million albums. We owe you a million bucks. Does that mean if we just sold two million albums, we'd you owe you two, two million dollars? And he said, yeah, pretty much. It wasn't until the third album that they were able to renegotiate the contract, hire a lawyer, and make serious money how about that that's That's how the whole thing set up it is disgusting that's the situation and van halen actually got a fairly decent deal wait till we start talking billy joel here is van halen from van halen too gosh they're the beautiful girls right here on rock school Let's talk Billy Joel as we talk contracts and people who really got nailed in contracts. If you know anything about Billy Joel or you dig Billy Joel at all, Billy Joel is sort of the quintessential story of bad management decisions. Number one, it took him forever to get signed up. Yeah. And it took him forever to really make a whole lot of money. Which is a shame. I mean, I'm not the biggest Billy Joel fan, but the man has worked hard. Right. What he (laughs) He does. He deserves some money. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't like his music, you got to still admit what he does is he's very good at it. He's great at it. He's great at it. And I do like some of his songs. I just. I do too. He's not the first person I reach for, but he's very good at what he does. We respect the man. Sure. Definitely. He signs a contract with a guy named Artie Rip. Artie that Rips sounds shady. Shit, right off there. <laughs> found him in a corner flipping a nickel, you know. <laughs> his name of his company is Artie Rips Family Productions. Okay, here's the thing. Artie Rips' terms were he would control not just the songs for the up-and-coming album, but what Joel did, which really was his downfall, he signed for a time period Ooh. of 15 years 
Right. 15 years? I'm with you. You got it. At this point in time, you got to know Billy Joel just, I'll do anything. I'll sign right, anything. Yeah. Please, dear God, just give me yeah. a contract. Okay, fine. Thus, without being able to predict any future popularity, Rip now has control over not only Joel's first album, Cold Spring Harbor, mm -hmm. which had a slight hit on it. She's got a way Oh, about yeah, her. yeah. Yeah, it's a slight hit. But any future albums. Thus, if Joel takes off, he can't renegotiate any album to album, but rather Rip owns the same rights as Joel did when he was a nobody. Whoa. So he kind of carries him along. Now, a normal publishing company would have cost Joel somewhere in the midst of about 20% of the gross okay. for the first five years of the contract. Okay, and after he became massively successful, you do what most people do. You renegotiate. renegotiate yeah, you yeah. look at the guys and say, you know, either renegotiate for me or stick it in your ear. I'm not writing any more music. So there, right. yeah. yeah. And you get a better contract. That 20% probably would have been about $3 million. Well, that's not what happened. Oh, Let's what play happened? a Joel song, and I'll tell you what happened okay. and what this Artie guy held him to. Hey, only the good die young. <laughs> Bet he wish Artie would have died young. <laughs> oh. Sounds like this on Rock School. <laughs> All right, first break here on Rock School. Thank God you didn't hear any of the off-microphone <laughs> discussion we had. All right, back to Billy Joel. Uh, now, I said Billy Joel, because of this contract, had he not had this thing with Rip, mm -hmm. he probably would have had to give up about $3 million in his first five years. Okay. Right? And that's you know, normal. Yeah. yeah. He's he In first five years, $3 million would have been just about normal. Okay. The deal he made sat for 15 years and ended up costing him 20 percent for those 15 years he had to stick by the contract there's nothing well, yeah, he could yeah. do he right signed it. it cost him in the range of 24 million dollars rather than three can you imagine oh my gosh. you know well you got to understand also hindsight's 2020 but he had no way of knowing he, he was no going to knowing. become what he of became course not. and then when you're signing yeah when you're signing that contract initially you just think something is right. better than nothing but the thing is the deal also double dipped joel because the contract that he signed could not be altered. So when he signed this deal with Rip, Joel also had to sign a contract when he started to become humongous with a publisher. Mm -hmm. He had to sign with a record company. So he had to dip for the publisher. He had to dip for the record company. Oh, he had goodness. to dip for, dip for Rip. How's that? There's a little <laughs> thing in there. And since Joel was the kind of a guy that didn't have this huge bucket of songs, he would write songs as the record came due. 
Like, you know, we're oh. putting out another record this year, so he'd go write 15 songs. Okay. I mean, that's the... He wouldn't write, um, according to his creative process, he'd write for a deadline. Right. He was he was a machine. I need 15 songs. You got it. it. And two months later, out would come 15 songs. He had no song-to-song elements that he could sort of say, stop here, turn here. Yeah, and yeah. And it just, he was in trouble. Every song was subject to this double-dipping of money. It took a while, like but a he finally got worker. out of it. Yeah. Guy was Basically. amazing. Yeah. And that's what cost him so much money. Now, don't get me wrong. He's since gone through all the lawsuits and all that. And I don't think he's hurting for money. But what could have been to what he has. Right. Yeah. Had he not become Billy Joel, he probably would be financially destitute. Hmm. Unbelievable. Hello, KPVL in Pottsville, Iowa. <laughs> Who else is listening? Hello, WBSD in Burlington, Wisconsin. All right. Hey, get us on Facebook. Search Rock School Radio Show. Remember, every Thursday I post a whole bunch of trivia questions, and I'll bet we do Billy Joel this week. All right. <laughs> Good enough. Catch us in a minute. We'll be back right after this on Rock School. Okay, coming out of the break, I uh, I got a hold of another book. Now, we're going to talk about uh, Hank Bordowitz's books here in just a second, but I got a hold of another book called Million Dollar Mistakes by a guy named Avalon. The Joel, you know, right. contract we just talked okay. about. Seriously, the, the high end of how to screw up a, mm-hmm. a record contract. In this book, Million Dollar Mistakes, could Joel have gotten out of this contract? Well, not totally, but kind of. Kind of. Do you know the group Rufus featuring Shaka Khan? Yes. Tell me something good. good. Right. Okay. They had an equally lousy publishing deal, losing 75% of their publishing. Ooh. That's hideous. You know, they're oh, only getting 25%. Yeah. Again, it comes down to, we want to be musicians. We'll, be, we'll yeah, sign yeah, anything. We'll sign anything you know, in please, the beginning. Let yeah. us do it. Right. Okay. Then they get into it and are like, oh my God, what did we do? Here's what, according to this Million Dollar Mistakes book, here's what Rufus featuring Shaka Khan did. They found a person who was outside of the band and thus outside of their contract. Okay. They then set that person up as their publisher, ran all of their publishing through that person rather than themselves. So they didn't publish the music. They, the over there, oh, that, that person guy. over there, yeah. published the music. Okay. And what happened was the money that was paid to the person that was not subject to the publishing percentage upped their amount. It went from 25% in their pocket to about 62% in their pocket. Because they paid that middleman person right. just a tiny bit to right. kind of act as the middleman. You got it. And you just have to find somebody you trust. Yeah. But instead of 25% in their pocket, it's 62% in their pocket. And Not that a, person for right. being trustworthy gets a little bit of cash. You got it. Not a total <laughs> win, but better than nothing. Yeah, yeah. So it's at an least, improvement, at right. least. It's called a workaround deal. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah that seems about Good right. Good <laughs> Smart, smart, smart. Here is Rufus and Shaka Khan. Tell me something good. Well, that's pretty good right yeah, there. Is. Right here on Rock School. An improvement. You ain't got no kind of feeling inside. Tell me that you love me. Bottom of the hour here on Rock 
school. You know what something interesting is about this name of the group, Rufus, yeah. featuring Shaka not, Khan? Not that it sounds like a dog. No, but Rufus. Rufus, yeah. yeah. It's Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. You know that the other people in the name, in the band, right. you know, Ruf, at one point in time, the band's name was Rufus. Rufus. Right. And then it became Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. You know the other people in the band went, oh God, she's gone on an oh, album. That's it. Yeah, we're yep. just going to be Rufus again. <laughs> Not featuring Shaka Khan here in a minute. So, hey. Well, when you're Shaka Khan, you, you know. gotta go. You gotta you go. You gotta go. Hey, bottom of the hour, let's do the names again. I'm Joe Burns. I'm Beth West. Okay, let's take a break from talking contracts. We're going to come back with uh, Dirty Little Secrets of the Record Business, uh, talking about Hank Bordowitz's book. But first, seven days, 70 seconds. These are the dates, February 25th, uh, all the way through March 3rd, I believe the woman to my left, Beth, has Monday. Go! Monday, February 25th, 1995. Frank Sinatra sings for a live audience for the last time on the closing night of Sinatra's Desert Classic Golf Tournament. The 1,200 people heard seven songs closing with The Best Is Yet To Come. Isn't that somewhat ironic? I think so. Yeah. February 26th, 1955. Billboard magazine reports that the 45 single has outsold the 78 for the first time. February 27th, 1998. And of course, Joe gives me this one to see if I'll blush. Vince Neil announces he has reached a deal with Vivid Video to release a 60-minute video of him having sex with porn stars filmed in Hawaii. I had to put on that filmed in Hawaii because... filmed in Hawaii. Filmed in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. (laughs) It would take much longer to get to the actual good up, sure. Take off the coat. Yeah. <laughs> February 28th, 1970, Led Zeppelin performs in Denmark under the name The Knobs after the family of Ferdinand von Zeppelin, you know, the guy with the blimp, <laughs> threatens a lawsuit for name infringement. How wonderful. March 1st, 1981. Happy birthday, Mark. There you go. The TV movie Elvis and the Beauty Queen premieres on NBC. Don Johnson plays Elvis. I would like to go back and see that. (laughs) And Barbara Streisand went, who's that? Uh, March 2nd, 1977, Mr. Barely Man Enough, Barely Manilow, stars an ABC special. Uh, By the way, that year, Barry Manilow tops every major radio airplay chart except rock and country and sells more records than any other artist. Oh, yeah. You know, you may, again, like we said about Billy Joel, you, you, you make fun of him all you want, but he goes and does concerts today, leaves counting his shekels. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And finally, March 3rd, 1957, Cardinal Samuel Stritch, I think it's pronounced, Bans all rock and roll from all Chicago Archdiocese Roman Catholic schools. I'm sure that did the trick, too. No it more did. rock and roll for those Catholic kids. Well, that's what's wrong with Chicago today. <laughs> all right. Uh, we're going to get back to the book, Dirty Little Secrets of the Record Business, here in just a minute. But first, it's birds. Hey, man, so you want to be a rock and roll star? Listen now to what I say right here on Rock School. All right, let's get to the book Dirty Little Secrets of the Record Business by Hank Bordowitz. There's a whole section in this, whole chapter called Contacts and Contracts, where he, Hank, goes ahead and actually 
outfits and talks about sections of a contract that he looked at that he couldn't believe a known band signed. Really? Now, I don't know who the known band is. He doesn't say he doesn't who it say. is. But he, He's not calling them out and saying, look at these idiots. Look what they signed. No, he doesn't. <laughs> but what he does do is he says, if I told you who they were, you'd know them. Okay. So basically stating, look, even this is a known band. Right. Yeah. Even knowledgeable people okay. make these kind of mistakes. It states here, California instituted a statute stating that personal service contracts, i.e. movie studio contracts, mm-hmm. uh, these kind of contracts, say they cannot last any more than seven years. However, contracts are written in a way to completely circumvent that law by starting with the phrase, the artists agree to record for the record company a minimum number of masters. So they don't set it to a time. Oh, they send it to a number number of of records. records. Right. Okay. What's a master? A master is a five and a half minute set of recording, basically the maximum that will fit on a 45 RPM single. A song. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Here's the deal. Now, this is right from the contract. 12 masters a year for the first two years. Okay. An album. An album. Once each year. For that, they will receive the princely sum of $100 for each master. Advance royalty. Ooh. Yeah, wicked. Good, huh? (laughs) 24 masters a year for the next two years, receiving at that time a princely sum of $200 each. 24 masters for the next following years at $400 each. And then after that, if the company wishes, 10 each year upon written notice. Okay, do okay. the mathematics. That's between 120 and 180 masters, adding 10 on at I a mean, time. I mean, they out. I know. Yeah. Is that insane? It's it's insane. That is complete insanity. No, I can't imagine. It doesn't say this, but I can't imagine that they expect all of those songs to be released. Right, yeah. You record them. Okay, here's our and 15. Then, here's our 24. We'll take these 12. There's mm-hmm. your album. Out it goes. Yeah. But I don't. maybe they don't mean that. Maybe all of them do go out. In, entirely possible. Thus, seven years, feh, this thing can go on until the, the songs the are actually time. taken. Yeah. You got it. Eh. R-O-C-K in the USA. We'll be back to look at more of these little clauses. Yuck. Hey, it's John Cougar right here on Rock School. Looking at a contract as we do our second break here on Rock School that uh, Hank Bordowitz basically ripped apart and showed where the problems were. Now, we talked about how many songs, how many masters had to be created. A million, basically. Yeah, basically. If you missed it, it was just basically a million. 120 to 180. Might as (laughs) well have been a million. (laughs) Might as well have been. Yeah. Now, if the person, the artist, wishes to stop it, they have to finish writing the songs. What if the contract people the record company wishes to get rid of it no problem oh do the mathematics all the 100s all the 200s all the 400s add it up $31,200 pay that to the artist and bye-bye see you later that's it that's all the contract is to the record company oh my goodness $31,200 goodbye now who pays to make the records well up front the company pays to make the records Mm -hmm. they're going to recoup their money right 
Right. Sure, of, of course they are. Right. Of course the plus artist some, will have I'm to sure. pay. Uh, I don't know about plus some. <laughs> All re- this is right from the contract. All recording costs incurred by the record company under this agreement with respect to the masters as to which royalties are payable, blah, 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 bar, shall be charged against royalties payable hereunder. All advance payments made to the artist by the record company under this agreement shall also be charged against royalties hereunder. Basically, every bit of money we give you to make the songs, to promote the songs, all that kind of stuff, you got to give back to us. Right. To actually, how do, you, how do you sign that? Got well. I understand. You have a, to want to be famous. I guess I understand a brand and new not person. understand how to use a computer these days. I guess I understand <laughs> a brand new person signing that, but according to Hank. This is a contract signed by somebody you'd know. I really want to know. I'm so so nosy. I I want to know who that is. Who is this? Somebody on the internet knows who that is. Gotta be. Gotta be. I I would love to get on the phone with with, with Hank Bordowitz and say, come on. Does it start with a B? That's right. You can tell me. What's what's their biggest hit? Just cough. I wouldn't know. two words. (laughs) Blink your eyes. KLSU, thanks for running the radio show. Hello, friends at KSCL and Shreveport. I'm going to give you more right after this break. You're not going to believe the stuff that it gets into. It's not just that you don't get paid. You don't get paid the full amount depending on where it's being sent or where the record's being sold. Whoa. You don't believe it. Be back in a minute right here in Rock School. Before we get into the break, I told you that uh, when royalties are paid to the artist after making these masters, that sometimes they don't get paid and sometimes they don't get paid the full amount. Right. Dig this. This is right from the contract. No royalties, uh, both for records and publishing, shall be payable on the sales of promotional records, i.e. something I send to a radio station. Yeah. You don't get paid on that. You don't get anything for that. No royalties, both for records and publishing, will be paid by the record company on records given to distributors uh, in the ratios of the normal industry practice on 150 free records with every 500 records purchased. Wait, okay, wait. (laughs) So... That means that if a distributor buys 500 records, they yeah. get 150 for free that they can sell. Paid. And you don't get paid on those. Oh, sure. That makes sense. That makes sure. total sense. No royalty shall be paid with respect to records given away or furnished for promotional purposes purposes on a nonprofit basis to disc jockeys, radio, and television stations. So right. promoting the record, you don't get paid you don't on get those. paid for that. No royalty shall be payable with respect to records given to members of record clubs as bonus or free records. It's like Columbia House. Right. So if you're part of a record club, the, yeah. the records they get for free, yeah. nothing on that. However, you'd think then if you buy a record through the record club, you get your royalties on that, right? Well, you would think so. You would think so, right? <clears throat> Wrong. Uh, it says here... If you have a song, I'm going to paraphrase because it gets kind of thick. Oh, yeah. Please do. (laughs) Yeah. If you sell a record through one of the record companies because they're kind of cheap, you only get half royalties. Oh. Yeah. It also says here, and again, I'm going to paraphrase, if you sell something through a sort of new 
method like CDs at this point in time were new. The new medium of sound and or sight sound reproduction, you don't get full royalties on that either. I would think today that would be kind of like downloading. Because yeah. they can't charge extra what because it isn't the thing. From? Uh, I don't know the year on it. I don't have the. I didn't copy that piece out for it. But yeah, fifty percent royalty to all sales outside the United States, its territories, and possessions, and Canada. So even if it sells in Great Britain, where right. the money, the pound is worth more than the dollar, you're yeah. still getting less. Fifty percent. If it's sell, if you're if you're like big in Brazil, you only get fifty <laughs> percent. Isn't that amazing? All of that stuff. So it, it, I, I'm trying to figure out at what point in time do you get full? Right. Some kid has to walk into a record store and, and buy download. one of the not 150. Right. Or yeah. And on top of that, with downloads today, I can't even imagine what the contracts well, look like for downloads. I mean, you know, people like to talk about how the internet has been the worst thing for music, but it hasn't been the worst thing for music. It's been the worst thing for the record business. And I, for one, don't think that that's the worst thing ever. Yeah. I'm because some of this you. stuff is super shady, and uh, I want the I want the money to go to the artist. I agree. I agree. Smiths paint a vulgar picture, which we just did. Yes, we did. Yeah, right here on Rock School. Last break here on Rock School. Now, why would such... This is the last thing I want to talk to you about. Why would such, I guess, contracts be written? And he, he, he addresses well, this. they've allowed it to be written. Yeah, there is that. I agree with that because they can get away with yeah. it. Yeah. However, 
this is actually addressed at the end of this little section of the book, The Mm -hmm. Dirty Little Secrets of the Record Business by Hank Bordowitz. It states here, when only 5% of the records released make a profit, the record company needs every edge it can get. Yeah. Because they're taking such a risk on everything. When you walk through here, you know, we're in a radio station. Mm Really? You've seen it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, this isn't the bathroom. I wander in I here once a week. I took a wrong week. turn. You walk through this little, you know, there's the engineering rooms right next to us. The next room over is where all the CDs go. Yeah. And it, it's where they go to die. We oh, can only play. So it is. We play so many different songs, but for every two songs that get on the air, there's a hundred that we get sent that yeah, just they don't. Yeah, just don't do anything. And in there, I'll show it to you. There are boxes and boxes and boxes, and I mean big well, boxes yeah, and of you CDs. Give them, after a while, you give them to the library. Right. And take we them. just, yeah, and we take the ones that we're interested in. And then the rest of them all, they try to give them away, and it's hard to give them away. Well, we have a thing out in the hallway that we fill up once a day. It says, Mm -hmm. free CDs, take them. And again, they're hard to give away. Like it says here, only 5% of records released make a profit. Duh. So they have to be in order to make any money, is yeah, what you're saying. Seems that way. I don't way. know. Can I say that word? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll I'll bleep it to give it even more emphasis. So that wraps it up. Next week we'll be back with another topic and see if we can't be a little happier about it. So that does it. <laughs> Beth, we're done. We're done for today. That's I'll it. have to come look for the bathroom again in a week. <laughs> <laughs> and here will be the microphones. I'm Joe Burns. I'm Beth West. Night night all. Class is dismissed. I'm the entertainer. I know just where I stand Another serenader And another long-haired band Today I am your champion I may have won your hearts But I know the game You forget my name And I won't be here in another year If I don't stay on the charts <laughs>